welcome to the Fortress of Comic News, episode 174. I am one of your hosts, Chris, alongside my co-host and co-friend, Mike. Damn. Hit me right in the fields, you know? <laughs> wow. I got I wasn't prepared for that. I think they're gonna need a moment here or something. Whew. Um Thanks for that. Anyways, I will remember you. Okay, we don't need to put anyone through that. We have a special <laughs> episode today. Uh, we're going to stray a little bit from the norm um, with the guest that we have today. Uh, we have Paul Ross on the show. We're going to talk about a documentary that he's creating about Dean Ormston. And if you don't know who Dean Ormston is, it's a little, little book called Black Hammer. I got the, the thing behind me. It's uh, written by Jeff Lemire. Uh, optioned by uh, Legendary Pictures, picked it up. And uh, if you don't know what Black Hammer is, it's going to be all in your face pretty soon. But he's writing an amazing story, or filming an amazing documentary about um, the small town they grew up in and the challenges that Dean has overcome and to go on to make amazing art and to create this awesome universe that... uh, It's it's a well-rounded story, and these characters are awesome, and he... His art really encompasses that golden age feel for sure. So stick around to hear yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, with that, I don't know if we want to waste any more time. I think we just want to jump right into the news. What do you think? Sure. You got anything cool you want to tell me before that? or? But not really. I mean, I read comics this week. <laughs> what about I, something came out Friday? I mean, season two, uh, Umbrella Academy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I did finish that. Oh, um, you finished it! Whoa. Yes, <laughs> I had a little bit. You know how casual it is now to just finish a show. Oh yeah, I finished it. No big deal. I had a little bit of free time this week. Uh, uh, that's all right. You know, free time's good. So, yeah. what do you think overall? I mean, I haven't seen any of it yet. I'm probably going to start it tonight. But like overall, absolutely a- loved it. It did everything that the first season did well. Again, the yep. soundtrack is fantastic. Even if you're not a fan of the music that's being played, the soundtrack just fits so well with everything going on. Um, putting it or setting it in the '60s and having that that difference of uh, locale and time really added some elements to it that. Uh, created some great story things throughout it i absolutely loved it i thought it was fantastic um every character shines in this season and then we get to meet some new characters obviously and the the ending sets up season three as one could expect well of course they have a franchise now yeah and i'm excited for that now i mean i think umbrella academy is the weirdest story in my life of i'll never read this thing because i don't like uh um my chemical romance to (laughs) i'll give it a shot to this book is amazing Mm -hmm. to now there's a tv show and the tv show is amazing and it's just it's weird for me personally to have such a flip on my feelings on this uh franchise but (laughs) but i don't want to like it oh okay it's really good though (laughs) yeah you know you grow up and you realize like oh shit he can do two things and one can be good and one can be not your Cup of tea. tea. Cup of tea. But awesome. uh, yeah, go watch Umbrella Academy. It's so good. Yeah, I can't. I can't wait. I gotta. I'll probably. I'll probably. You know, 
start it tonight, and it's going to be one of those things where it's like, just one more episode, just one more episode, and it's like 3 a.m., and I don't know how I got there, you know? That's what happened, because I started Friday, and I watched a majority of it, like, basically, I woke up, took a shower, got situated, sat down, watched it, watched, like, probably half of it, and then (laughs) stopped, did things, then started again, and then it was like, this is late for me, so everybody laugh out loud, but, uh, it had to have been like 9 30, 10 o'clock. And yeah. I was like passing out. I'm like, oh, well, that's got to be the last episode. Shit, there's another episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you just stay up and watch it or what? No, that's so why I watched uh, it the following morning. But, that's uh, fine. That's but yeah, it was, it's great. Yeah, I, I'm excited. I mean, those characters are great. And uh, I did watch the, re- there's like a recap in the beginning. So, I watched all that. Um, that like were the characters. I thought that was fun. The characters kind of sat yeah. down break the fourth wall and like catch you up on everything. So yeah, that was done really well. And the kid who plays number five is amazing. Yeah. Like he's my favorite part of the whole show. Cause he's like, he's obviously he's a kid, but right. he's like a 56 year old man trapped in the kid's body. And he's yeah. such a dick. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> he doesn't care. He's, a, he's not nice to anyone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that uh, I saw someone throw out that he should play Damian Wayne. Oh wow, yeah. And I was like, that's it's a little yeah. tight casting, but uh yeah. that's perfect. Like that'd be amazing. Yeah, just now he's just gotta be a be a jerk with a mask on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean they kinda I mean you see him with that the eye mask mm-hmm. when they when they do like the roll call with all the kids like early on with the umbrella. That yeah, wow. Yeah, I never I guess I didn't put two and two together. That would be really cool. Yeah. That's not me. Somebody brought that up yeah. to me. That's that's really a really good, good idea. Um yeah, awesome. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it because I'm gonna I'm gonna check it out later tonight. Um, this is pretty cool. Not a whole lot happens with the Green Hornet anymore. Um, the last time I saw something going on, especially where Kevin Smith was involved, was uh, the Green Hornet and the Batman '66 crossover, where uh, Alex Ross is doing all those amazing covers, which I have the trade and it's awesome. Uh, but Green Hornet and Kato are getting their own animated series from Wild Brian Productions with help from Kevin Smith. Um, it's a twist, though. The Green Hornet and Kato are the offspring of the originals, and the show is set in modern times. I think that's cool. Nothing wrong with that. That's fine. Yeah. It's probably not meant for us. You know? Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, Kevin Smith's involved. I'm going to check it out. I usually, I usually do when he's involved with stuff. Yeah. So. It's an interesting concept uh rather than just doing green horn and kato again I right mean, i'm down to check it out i mean i'm not huge i'm not big on green horn and kato so y- you can do whatever you want with that in my opinion but <laughs> i mean uh, the thing is like they're not they, they might want to reach a, a new fan base and if they if they do this sort of like a buddy cop uh setup or something like that i think i think it, there's some potential there yeah um, and I think Kevin Smith understands the audience, especially his fans. <laughs> yeah, and I think he's. There was a quote I heard from uh, Seth Rogen a while back mm-hmm. when he was asked why he's doing so many, uh, like taking so many comic book properties and trying to adapt them. Yeah. And he had said, Well, I want to do it because these are things I grew up reading and loving. And if, if I don't do it, it's not going to be done right. Mm hmm. Um, your opinions of what he's done aside, but right. uh, I I feel like Kevin Smith is now taking that tact and being like, well, I'm going to do it because I'm going to do it right. 
Right. And that's why we're seeing Masters of the Universe and now this. And I'm sure yep. there's going to be more down the line that I we're going to hear about. Masters of the Universe. I'm so yeah. excited for that. Um, yeah, so uh, Netflix Sweet Tooth. We had talked about that uh, being picked up. Jeff Lemire um, book. It's Cass's lead character with uh, a little part in a, in a movie called X-Men The Last Stand. It's from quite a few years ago, but uh, Dania Ramirez will be playing, will be playing the lead character. Um, and what was it? Who, what mutant was she? Uh, Callisto. I Callisto, the speedster. Yeah. 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 There's some scenes. Um, there's a scene where she's beating the crap out of Holly Berry, which is, which is fun. Holly Berry storm. I, you know, I was watching those clips and I, I'm like, wow, I forgot about those movies. I literally, so, this aside, like it's fine. I I still haven't read Sweet Tooth, so I don't know yeah. if she's good or not. But right. I literally was uh, going through her IMDb, and I remembered her from uh, Entourage, and I remember hating her in Entourage. <laughs> and then I was like, she was never in an X Men movie. And then you brought you show me those clips. I watched them. I was like, I don't remember this movie at all. Yeah. The only thing I remember from that movie is that old Juggernaut youtube video yeah that yep. by the way does not hold up uh, okay good to know because I, I won't watch it now <laughs> but that's like the only thing i remember from is making those jokes about the juggernaut and yeah. i'm like i kind of want to watch this movie again just to see because i remember hating it but a, i mean all i remember because the last it's the last stand movie i just remember there being a giant like barricade and like the mutants are just like jumping over the barricade fighting with other mutants and it was, yes. it was like it was like the two towers <laughs> of See, the X Men movies. We're watching those clips, and like I don't remember her being in it. I don't remember like Spiky Face Dude at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> like I don't remember anything that was going on. I'm just like it's been because probably because I saw it in theaters and was just like never again. <laughs> uh, do you remember they had those bullets that they shot the mutants with, and it like took their powers away? <laughs> no, I don't remember any. Of that. I, I thought they're you know it it it's it's fascinating to me and i'm pretty sure that was like a device they made where they they're like trank darts but they i think they hit you and they they got away they got rid of the mutant gene or whatever okay but wouldn't just a regular gun work too like why do they have to develop an anti they could just shoot a mutant and kill them. <laughs> like you could use a real bullet too i'm just saying but or I you, know, I, yeah or you could use an adamantium bullet and erase oh. uh, wolverine's memory that was dumb by the way uh, dumb real dumb <laughs> Anyways, the whole X-Men uh, universe is all screwed up, and I don't know if they're going to fix I mean, there's some good stuff there. I mean, get, don't get me wrong. Those The new series, Days of Future Past, I thought it was pretty cool. So, the, yeah, the first X-Men movie that came out was good because of what it was trying to do and when it was trying to do it. Like, yeah. going back on it now, I'm sure I wouldn't enjoy it as much. One and two weren't bad um, First class is awesome. Like I, yeah. I love that movie. I don't care what anyone says. Yep. And the other ones are just like, hey, let's combine continuity, and it just got confusing. Oh, uh, uh, apocalypse. We don't talk about apocalypse, but like Days yeah. Future Past was good. Apocalypse was just like. Still haven't watched Dark Phoenix. Oh my god, I forgot that even came out. Yeah. Yeah. So and, I'm interested to see what the MCU has in store for these uh, X Men. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, take these characters, make good stuff with them. Um, but. Let's uh, jump to this awesome interview that we have with Paul Ross, and we will see everyone on the other side. Welcome back, everybody. Today, we have a different kind of very special guest, uh, a documentarian 
who is making a documentary currently about uh, someone in our industry. So welcome to the show, Paul Ross. Welcome to the show, Paul. Hi, how are you doing? Good, good. It's always fun to chat with someone across the water. You know, it's a little bit of a time difference, but I'm glad we can meet up and discuss what you're doing. So um, before we talk about your project, we got to talk about you a little bit. Um, you've done quite a bit of stuff, and obviously you share a passion or love for comics like we do. So um, let's let's hear your origin story. of What what brought you to this point of, okay, I want to make this documentary about such a, a great artist within the industry? Okay, so I mean, I've, I've always liked comics anyway. Yeah. Um, I, I remember... Being a nine-year-old, going to uh, pick up my uh, weekly copy of 2000 AD in yep. the uh, in the late 70s, as it was, um, and uh, that used to be my my passion. I mean, I used to like quite a lot of um, British comics as well, which mm-hmm. aren't you know the, the Marvel DC kind of um, thing. Yep. They're more mm-hmm. um, typically English. Um, I one of my favourite artists was um, a guy called Leo Baxendale, who used to do Beano comics. Mm. Um, so I've, I've, I mean, I've been into that for from an early age. But um, in terms of um, you know how I came to um, to want to make the documentary about Dean, um, it's that I wanted to make a documentary, and it just so happened um, that I grew up in the same village um, as Dean Ormston, a little place called Royston in um, South Yorkshire in the UK. Okay, um, and so. I mean, we've um, we've kind of like grown up in in the same town, mm-hmm. and um, the 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 emphasis is that um, you know we've we've kind of like grown up in our um, separate different careers, mm-hmm. um, but um, the 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 way that I want to kind of like ground the documentary is to talk about that origin, uh, talk about the fact that um, we came from a, a very poor mining town is mm-hmm. is what it is. Um, and that Dean has kind of grown into this international comic superstar mm-hmm. um, from those very early origins. So I want to tell the story of you know how that developed. Um, I, I don't know whether you're um, aware of um, Dean's brain and, uh, um, injury. He had a, no, no, we can talk about that too. Well, all right, cool. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, basically, it's it, the, the whole documentary is is, um, is steeped in the fact that you know he came from this um, very small town, uh, became a, a great uh, comic artist, but also has had to overcome some, you know, some pretty uh, disastrous kind of things in his life mm-hmm. um, and come back and deliver something as fantastic as Black Hammer, yeah. um, you yes. know, throughout all of this. So, I mean, he could have kind of like at, at some point, he could have just yeah. stopped and gone, right, that's enough mm-hmm. for me. I'm, I'm going to have the easy life now. Mm-hmm. Um but um, he's he's a stubborn character. <laughs> you want anything, anything like a brain, a brain um, injury, yeah, stopping from doing anything that he actually wants to do, especially something like you know being an artist. Where, Indeed, yeah, yeah, it's so intricate. Um, and to come out, come out of that, making Black Hammer and and how so much of a staple that's been within the industry of like this is you read Black Hammer, you're like this is Golden Age comics at its at its finest. I mean, the art, the writing, it all comes together from Jeff Lemire as well. But um, it's, it's definitely like it hit and we're like, wow, this is something. I mean, this is well, really abs- good. Absolutely. I mean, the, the thing that's going on with, you know, the comic book industry at the moment is, is pretty severe really with, um, you know, um, 
the accusations of racism and sexism mm -hmm. and to find um, a comic book that actually is, uh, I mean, intrinsically the central character is black. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> as, as it goes on, I don't want to spoil it for anybody that hasn't written, uh, read it, but yeah. uh, also female. Mm -hmm. um, uh, there are, you know, LGBT um, kind of themes throughout the book. So it's, it's kind of a really, uh, it's really grounded in now. Um, mm -hmm. And it addresses an awful lot of stuff that, you know, people accuse the comic book industry of, um, uh, you know, of, of putting to one side with Black mm -hmm. Hammer. It puts them all out on show and, and kind of goes, look, you know, we're about now and we are addressing those kind of issues. So yeah. I think that's one of the real strengths of the Black Hammer uh, comic book series as well. Yeah, for sure. So is Dean uh, a part of this documentary? Like, have you, are you friends with him? Have you talked with him? Or? Yeah, uh, like I say, I mean, we grew up in uh, the same town um, and we bumped up into each other, you know, throughout the, um, throughout the years. I, um, Dean is about four or five years older than I am. So um, whilst we, you know, we went in, to the same school together, um, I didn't hang around in those circles until actually we got out of school. Um, one of the other things that many of your listeners probably don't know about Dean is he's also a drummer um, in a mm. band called the Black um, Black Lamps. Um, oh, okay. um, I'm just trying to think whether I've actually got that right. Yeah, it is the Black Lamps. Um, and um, basically, uh, when we were out of school is when I started kind of to, um, you know, to hang around because um, I used to go and see, with my own friends uh, to go and see the bands that he was in. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of like had a friendship that grew from that. Um, in terms of, you know, uh, how we we evolved that friendship, I mean, we, we've kind of just, you know, been in the same town, basically, and mm -hmm. known about each other. Um, uh, that's pretty much our friendship as, as a, you know, as a matter of course, really. So uh, the, the documentary as a whole, do you, I mean, you start off from uh, early age to, to where we are now with this career, you focus on your town as well. What, what can we expect out of that? So essentially that's, that's what I'd like to, um, to try and make um, work within this. I want it to be about the actual town itself, because um, again, for an American audience, this probably won't make a lot of sense really, but uh, Barnsley is a very poor mining town. Um, mm -hmm. And yet, it has managed to um, to to create from you know from from the people that live there um, a number of different celebrities and you know important people. Uh, one of them, possibly you might um, recognise the name from um, you know from uh, interviews within the seventies. A guy called Michael Parkinson is probably our most famous citizen. He used mm -hmm. to do interviews with Hollywood stars and yep. Muhammad Ali. He's done yeah. a whole lot of that. But there are a number of different people who have gone on to really successful careers mm -hmm. from a town that really shouldn't um, shouldn't boast <laughs> that, yeah. that kind of um, you know celebrity. So That's I want to basically um, try and capture that. I also want to capture you know the time that we grew up uh, because mm -hmm. this was early eighties. That you know, punk had, had been and gone. Um, this was kind of like a time when gothic uh, mm. music started to come to the fore, yep. um, and so I want to try and um, explore that element of youth 
um, what it felt like to be, you know, in that place at that time um, period and kind of, you know, uh, tell the story in a sequential kind of way. So from right from school days, right through the days when, um, you know, uh, Dean was in bands um, and what that meant for the, um, you know, for the uh, locality um, and also his journey into comic books, because, I mean, it's, it's been quite an elongated mm-hmm. journey for yeah. him. Uh, but I suppose um, a route that quite a lot of comic book artists take. Um, and then I also want to, you know, uh, like I said, explore uh, the event uh, that basically could have just taken his entire, I mean, for one, taken his, his entire life away, uh, mm-hmm. but also his entire creativity away. I mean, it could have stopped him in his tracks. Right. Um, and so I wanted, I want, I wanted to basically... Uh, cover all of that ground in one in one go, really. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's something really interesting too. Um, it's it's funny because I was going to reference, you know, how he started with uh, some Judge Dredd stuff in the '90s, and I'm thinking, oh, that's pretty recent. But now it's almost 30 years ago. Yes. <laughs> I know, what do you I think know. about it now? Um, that, that's yeah. really scary. Um, yeah, yeah, I know. That's. That it... I was like, oh wow. I guess wow. That my math is right. Okay. Um, but yeah. It, and it's it seems like well I mean you could correct me if I'm wrong here but the viewers or someone watching this documentary can see the um, just the struggles of growing up in a small town like that or just not having uh, the connections that people usually have or just that openness to like being in a big city but also he came over the hurdles of this injury as well but this is it seems like something to give people hope or maybe like okay maybe if I have a dream and it's it's not too far off if I'm passionate about something to um, to really create, just be an artist, you know? I think, just... I think you've hit the nail on the head here. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the last six months or so uh, should have, have taught pretty much everybody um, that the, the traditional idea um, of, you know, how you get through life is to go get a job, um, you know, then get a mortgage, uh, <laughs> and then get a house, yep. and then yep. have some kids. And um, that's basically the way that everybody sees the way that, you know, that life should be. Um, mm-hmm. And the last six months has taught us that um, no one is, is safe from, you know, <laughs> from, uh, from losing their job, losing their livelihood, losing everything, right. you know, in one go. Yep. And so I, I think it should really serve to, you know, to also um, instruct that you don't have to take the traditional path. You don't have to be, um, you know, going to try and be a bank manager because in the end, uh, that job will disappear and nobody will care you know, right. about yeah. you know your your future really. Right. Um, and so it's to it's to take the dream, to take the things that you want to do, and to go for it. Um, and the beauty is that even if you don't succeed, at least you'll have your integrity. At least you'll have you know you'll have have tried it. And if it, if it fails, you know, at least, you know, that you've, you've given it a go. Whereas, you know, it's the worst thing um, is to, you know, to be in your eighties. Well, I, I'm not in my eighties, so I wouldn't know, but um, <laughs> the worst thing I, I could imagine is um, you being in your eighties and going, oh, God, I wish I'd done that. I wish I'd yeah. had a go at that. Right. Um, and so hopefully it will, it will serve to that. I want to make it entertaining as well. I want to make it, you know, um, uh, as uh, as interesting a story as I can, 
but also not just about the, the comic books, also the human story as well, I think. Yeah, really good. So uh, let's talk about the Kickstarter. Um, I mean, you have quite a bit of quite a bit of time left here. Twenty nine days to go, and already one hundred thirty six backers. Um, you're fairly close to the goal. Um, yes. So that goal that you set, I mean, uh, it's it looks like you're going to go above that. Is there more stuff you can do with the documentary if you get more funds coming in, or? Um. So I mean, primarily, what I want to do is is uh, the the thing with um, with. Filmmaking is mm -hmm. generally the um, you know the the accepted route is you um, you, you plot, plot out your story, um, you basically hire your equipment um, on the day that you're supposed to be using it or on the weekend you're supposed to be using it and then you um, you take the stuff back. Um, and with this, what I want to do is again, it's partly because of the COVID thing. Um, is I want to kind of be ready at any given point in time. So um, yeah. the initial. Kickstarter is to kind of like you know uh, purchase equipment. Not my time. I mean, my uh, the, everything that I'm doing here is mm -hmm. um, out of my own pocket, really. Uh, right. But I need to kind of like make sure that um, I have good equipment so that I can pick up and run whenever I um, whenever I need to. So that's the main reason for the Kickstarter um, to to basically secure that. Um, if I get more than that, then um, I mean, essentially, it will allow me to uh, to make a you know a more of a quality production of it. Because I mean, the the thing is with um, sound and lighting, um, if you're doing documentaries with just one person, it tends to be um, you know there's an awful lot of setup. So um, help along the way would be um, would be the where the rest of the money would uh, would go. But um, I mean, it's a very small budget for a documentary but i think it's one that's uh, certainly achievable on the um, on the target that we've set and um were i to get more i'd be um, over the moon <laughs> yeah i can imagine <laughs> so i'm looking at the kickstarter right now i mean you've got everything from just early access to uh be able to uh get the documentary digitally you've got signed postcards and prints uh from dean uh, and copies of the documentary itself. Uh, a lot of these state like May or June 2020. Are you confident that that's going to be when you're going to be able to get it into people's hands? Um, I'm I'm very confident uh, about that. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the um, the the shooting, um, because it's mainly concentrated in one place. Um, I can do a lot of the B-roll stuff in in the uh, the town of Barnsley. Um, Many of the interviews that I'm going to be conducting are with people who have grown up there and, and followed uh, Dean and his, his exploits. Uh, the only uh, things that you know may uh, spoil the whole thing are um, uh, you know the interviews with comic uh, book uh, people. Mm. But there are plenty of them who have done exactly uh, what Dean has done, which is they're international comic book artists, but they live pretty much in the place that they they grew up it's another element mm -hmm. of the of the story which is i mean dean could probably you know have gone off to california um mm -hmm. you know and, and gone and lived in the sun somewhere but he chose to live in the town that he grew up in um and stay there and so for a lot of um the comic book artists um you know that that are currently from the uk they tend to be about and also they tend to be northern so mm -hmm. a lot of the interviews i'm hoping to get done um 
you know, fairly locally. So, um, yeah, I think I think it's um, entirely achievable. I'm trying to get most of the uh, the footage uh, in the can by uh, December, January, and that leaves me a good, you know, three months or so for editing and um, you know post production. I think one of the things that people are going to be most interested about the uh, the Kickstarter. I mean, obviously, I'd love them to be um, mostly interested in me and the fact that I've um, <laughs> I'm creating this uh, fantastic fantastic documentary mm -hmm. but um i mean in terms of why should people give um i mean that's one reason but i mean the probably the um, the the most um attractive uh reward for them is the um is the dean Olmston print at mm -hmm. 45 quid that um i mean i've been on ebay today just looking for um for what kind of prints go for and they they generally go for you know 120 dollars $140, yep. um, you know, for, for any kind of print. Um, so especially a signed print by um, you know, the artist himself, um, limited edition to, um, I think I'm going to try and get that down to 150 uh, copies. Um, it's cool. a bargain mm -hmm. as far as um, anybody's listening to the podcast could, um, you know, could think. And, so. and uh, yeah. 45, 45 quid for... Uh... For the U.S. listeners, is about just under sixty dollars, so that is a bargain for sixty U.S. dollars. So that's that's for I. I'm actually that's probably the reward I'm going to take. <laughs> I'd like I'd like one of those on my wall. I think that'd be pretty cool. Well, I mean the the other thing is, um, I mean I don't know very much about it because um, I'm I'm not concentrating my efforts on um, you know on uh, how things are going with um, with Dean and Jeff, but I mean mm -hmm. they're um, the Black Hammer. Uh, series has been picked up by Legendary, um, mm -hmm. who are you know going to be making a TV series out of it. So that is going to be spectacular, and I, I think possibly you know people that didn't know Dean before this um, are, are certainly going to be um, raving about him uh, once Legendary thing comes out. So oh, for sure, yep, it, it's all for the good. I think, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a perfect time to, to jump in and support a project like this. Indeed. Yeah. So, um, obviously, the the Kickstarter is at a, a working class superhero, Dean Ormston. And where can we where can we send people if they want to follow you? Um, do you have a Twitter you could send them to to updates Absolutely. and stuff like that? So yeah, I mean uh, the um, the Kickstarter is basically going to be the main place where I um, do. Um, you know the the funding upstart uh, up, mm -hmm. uh, updates. Um, my account uh, on Twitter is Paulie Wally One, um, and um, I also have a website which is uh, Um It's I know it's a strange name, isn't it? Uh, we got to hear that. What's what's the story behind that? <laughs> okay, so um, it used to be my pet name for my um, for my dog who died oh, okay. about fifteen oh. years ago. But um, I used to call him this. His name, his proper name was Spot, but um, yeah, I used to kind of elongate it and make it into a yeah. you know fun name. Um, and it wasn't until I started kind of like messing about with um, you know websites and um, and you know, the internet and stuff like that mm -hmm. that I realised that um, actually that name that word doesn't appear anywhere in the universe it's a it's yeah. a unique it's a unique yeah. word yeah. and so therefore i realized that um you know if anybody types that into a, a you know search engine 
it's going to bring them to me and nobody else. <laughs> awesome. Um, and so that's, that's the reason cool. why I thought, you know, I could have a, a pretty unique kind of thing. The only tiny problem is um, that you have to know that you have to type in Spootlepog yeah. before <laughs> before you get to me because yeah. otherwise the you know the idea would never occur to you yeah exactly but no it's i mean it's i'll remember it now that's that's, that's very interesting awesome yeah yeah well, so uh, everybody go check out paul and uh paulie wally what was it paulie wally one that's it yeah paul, Where? We, weirdly enough paulie wally was already taken oh i don't know why <laughs> what the hell <laughs> And just so everybody knows, it's Polly Wally spelled Paul with a Y, and then Wally is the same as Paul, just with a W. Exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> yep. so Paul, thanks so much for being on the show. I I can't wait to see this documentary. It got me really excited for an artist I've uh, been we've been raving about ever since Black Hammer first came out. So, mm-hmm. for sure. So well, thanks. I hope to make the best documentary I possibly can for you. That sounds awesome. I can't wait. So thanks again for being on the show. And uh, I can't wait to talk to you when it comes out. <laughs> we'll make it a date. Awesome. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Welcome to the other side. Hey, we're on the other side, finally. Uh, so please, please support the project. Um, there's some really cool, uh, really cool rewards. I know Chris and I are already, you know, in between time and space. We've muddled things around. We use the speed force to donate while we were recording so yeah figure that one out bending space and time but um also bending space and time as they usually do are comic books so let's talk about the comic book news comics uh yeah so marvel's launching a new comic series on its social media channels this is kind of interesting uh it'll eventually be repurposed as variant covers the series is called heroes at home and is written by Zeb Wells and the art by Guri Hiru. As the title implies, this will be a series of shorts that show Marvel heroes at home doing household household activities. Okay, I just want you to know that I had this idea. I don't know if I ever pitched it to you. I know I pitched it to my cousin, who was an artist. This was like a couple years ago. I had this idea for DC Comics heroes doing average average things like like when Batman goes out all night, he packs like a sandwich in his utility belt or like stops at a burger stand because he's got to eat. Right. Yeah. Um, or like flash, he goes to the DMV and he's got to wait in line for hours because the fastest man in the world still has to wait in line at the DMV. Like I had all these ideas. Damn it. Marvel. <sighs> it's awesome. Though. I really like, I think it's a cool idea and it's free. I mean, I, come on. Yeah. I remember you pitching that idea to me. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, Sorry. Yeah, this is this is funny because this is obviously COVID inspired, so it's like right. Spider Man at home vacuuming and like, I think that's funny. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I love that. Yeah. So I, I think it's cool and it's like a nice little you know shout out to people and mm-hmm. kind of just hey stick in there because even the Marvel heroes have to avoid COVID. Yeah, I, I'm all for this. I, yeah, I think it's cool. I, yeah, I think that's really cool and uh, the, it's going to be variant covers too. Maybe like at home heroes variant covers. I. The fact that they're like profiting off this kind of sucks, but also I might have to pick up a couple of those. <laughs> it, yeah, I mean, yeah. of course they're gonna profit off it. I was kind of hoping they were gonna say there's gonna be like a one shot with all of them in it. Yep, because they did that with uh, was it Itty Bitty Hulk or something? Oh yeah, 
Or they did like backup stories with that. There were one page, and eventually yeah. they published it as one giant thing. So, mm-hmm. but that's, I mean, either way, I think it's a cool idea. Yeah. Um, yeah, after accusations of sexual harassment against um, Spider Gwen and Southern Bastards co creator Jason Lator, um, Marvel has said they have no future plans to work with the comic creator moving forward. So, I mean, no patience for this stuff anymore, people. I mean, don't, yeah. just don't be an asshole. Yeah. And a subcategory, subcategory of, you know, the first bullet point of not being an asshole, don't sexually harass people. <laughs> yeah, and this one was... <laughs> this one was like a step above... I, I mean, I know... I can't remember if me and you have, but I know I've had conversations about, like, the levels of what this all is. Like, yeah, there's right. what uh, Warren Ellis did... Yep. which is still creepy and wrong, right. but it's not quite sexual harassment, which isn't quite rape and so on and right. so forth. Yeah. So what he did was so wrong and it sucks because I love Jason Latour's work. Yeah. Like, I I don't know if Southern Bastards is such a great book. He's done it some really good is. stuff at yeah. Marvel. It is a great book. I, yeah, I'm, I'm disappointed that he did it, but I don't think I could ever see supporting him again because what yeah. he did was very horrendous. Yeah. Just don't do that. Don't yeah. be an don't be dick. Because <laughs> now I'm not going to support you. And I, you know, it it sucks because Southern Bastard is such a great book. Spider Gwen, I mean, I could do without that. But yeah, that's um, fine. Spider Gwen sucks. Yeah. <laughs> but, anyways, uh, just, yeah, we, I, I, it really sucks that we have to remind people this happens almost every week. You know, it's like someone someone new just has to be an asshole. And, yeah. And come on, you're not learning. The only the only thing about this one is I like that there was actually a consequence for this and not oh, just yeah. like I'm going to go away for a little bit and come back later. Yeah. Like this is Marvel yeah. saying I'm not we're not dealing with this person anymore. Yeah. Like, DC is like, we'll take him. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's well, it's good. funny because the next story, uh, I won't go too much into it, but yeah. it's funny that uh, w- the thing with the Warren Ellis came out. And like we said, there's right. different varieties of this but they for one part said hey we're gonna cancel his dinosaur story for legends of the dark knight right but we'll keep publishing batman's grave <laughs> yeah yeah it's, like, it's re- a little weird yeah it is weird um and getting to that brian hitch took the twitter to announce that after he finishes his current series um batman's grave with warren ellis he'll be working on an unannounced 48 page one shot set in the dark knight's death metal universe so obviously he's probably taking over for Warren Ellis in the death metal universe, maybe doing the, uh, the bat, uh, bat T-Rex or something, but it's weird that they're just going to finish up Batman's grave. I don't know if they just feel like they have, they have most of it finished already and have to, or I, I so I've been having this conversation a lot because like with a uh, dynamites thing last week, uh, somebody brought up, uh, what Garth Ennis, like why he hasn't spoken out about it. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, trying to do the timeline. I was like, well, maybe he's finished with the dear Becky. And now he's just like, it's done and I'm out. Like, right. So I'm wondering if maybe Warren's stuff on Batman's grave is done and he's been paid for, mm-hmm. but Brian Hitch isn't. And that means, and obviously he isn't because of this uh, announcement, but right. And to cancel the book now would just screw Brian Hitch. Yeah, that's you know what I mean. Yeah. So mm-hmm. 
I think that might be the case. I'm hoping that's the case because that would mean like, hey, let's support Hitch because he does good work and he's mm-hmm. not to blame for this incident. Right. Um, but as far as the 48 page one shots, like, what is it and when's it going to come out? Because what are we on? Did we just read issue two or three? Yeah, issue two. Issue two came out. Yep. So yeah, we got a few months, but I'm, I'll be see. curious to see what it is. It would yeah. be funny if they just gave him the, the like dinosaur. you said, the dinosaur Batman. So yeah. make a 48 page out of it. Yeah. And it's just art. There's no writing. That would be great. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, we had a little speculation last week. It looks like after all the social media teases from Tom Taylor, um, and this is good news. Finally, we get to some good news. Uh, he knows that uh, what his new Injustice project is. It's leaked by comicbook.com. It looks like DC will release, as part of its digital first brand, Injustice Year Zero. Um, they haven't given an official synopsis, but we saw images from the series that show Batman fighting the JSA and other hints of Golden Age heroes. Yes. What can make the Injustice universe even better? Bring in the JSA and take all my friggin' money. Damn it. Yeah. Uh, first of all, awesome. That's yeah. more JSA. I mean, that's what yep. DC needs, more JSA. Oh, yeah, all the time. Second, did you follow this whole train when it happens? No, I didn't. No, I didn't catch wind of it. So, yeah, comicbook.com put up a whole article about this and saying that today it's going to be released. Yep. And that there's going to be three issues released in a bundle for like two fifty, and then they're going to come out every other week after that for a dollar, I think it was. And then it got pulled like pretty quickly. Mm. And I spent the rest of the day like trying to dig and figure out because because not only did I want the story, but I wanted the book. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Uh, the next day, someone turned out and said that this was actually supposed to be announced Tuesday and somebody oh. hit a button too quick. Oh. So this was never supposed to be published and it looks like Tuesday we're getting this book. Oh, so wow. and if you go on Tom Taylor's social media, he's still promoting, he's still like teasing it as if we don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I've, I've made all these teaser posts, damn it, I'm still going to do it. Yeah, That's and awesome. uh, one he released this week was Amazing Man, which is a character I never knew oh. existed. Wow, I've never even uh, heard of that guy. Who the hell is that? He's a character. I looked him up. His character was created in the 80s, but he was retroactively fitted into the Golden Age um, oh. characters. And the image they showed was basically a version of Captain America number one of Amazing Man punching Hitler in the face. Oh, my God. So that's why a lot of people were like trying to figure out, is this going to be set in the 40s? Is this going like, what is this going to be? Right. But... I don't care, JSA. Let's do it. Punch of Nazis. Yeah, I that. I mean, Tom Taylor's doing such a great job. I'm going to talk about Suicide Squad a little bit later, but man, and uh, the um the the little stories he's doing for um DC. So yeah, let this guy let this guy run with this awesome property. It, it makes me want to read through all of Injustice again. You know, such a good storyline. Or issue miniseries that could. Yep, it really is. Not everyone, though, DC. Please take note, you know, like, Frankenstein and the Ages of Shade. That should have never even left the print, the printing machines, if you ask me. But anyways, um, we won't talk about that. We'll talk about another announcement from DC. Uh, it was announced earlier in the week. The current Batman writer, not James... Not from DC. Oh, not from DC. Sorry. 
But anyways, the current writer at DC for Batman, James Tinian IV, and comic creator slash editor Steve Fox are joining forces to create Razor Blades, the horror magazine. Okay, so this isn't from DC. It's a digital-only, pay-what-you-want anthology magazine. That's really cool. It's going to feature comics, pro stories, illustrations from creators across the industry. You can get the first issue at readrazorblades.com right now. Free. Readrazorblades.com. Right now. Check it out. Yeah. I'm going to check it out tonight. I didn't even know about this. This is awesome. Yeah. It's using that pay-what-you-want model that uh, Brian K. Vaughn used for his comics yep. thing. Yep. Very cool. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like 80 pages of comics and prose, and Tinian's doing a story, and, and there's like a list of other ones that are going to have stories moving forward. Awesome. I think it's a cool thing to do. Yeah. It's really cool. I think that's awesome. Uh, more of that, less everything else. And with that, you want to talk about some comics that we read this week? Let's do it. You start off, read, read a couple of yours. I got to grab my phone quick because it was charging. That's where all my notes are. So start off with the one that you, you thought was a goodie and... And I'm, it takes me 30 seconds. Well, I'll start with X Factor number one. Um, this was one that I was looking forward to because it revolved around the Resurrection Center and the X-Men universe. And what this ends up being is we have a character whose daughter, or I'm sorry, sister passes away and he wants to get resurrected. But he can't because he needs proof of death because they don't want multiples of people running around. So he goes, investigates it, finds her body, sends the proof, and gets her resurrected. But the real story here is that that forms a team that is now the X Factor that is going to go around and investigate uh, mutant deaths and missing mutants for the uh, resurrection unit. And give them the proof of death that they need to be able to resurrect uh, people's loved ones and so on and so forth. So it's a cool little side story inside the X universe that I was, I thought was something that could be really cool. And this was uh, very much a quick one-shot story. This was the investigation. This is what we're going to do. Let's form a team and move on. Uh, but I'll continue reading it. I think it was really well done. And the cast of characters, although I only really recognize one, <laughs> which is uh, Dakin, mm-hmm. uh, was still interesting enough. They had a cool little back and forth, and I, I enjoyed it. So if you're reading X-Men and you want something more that revolves around that uh, the Resurrection Center, this is the book to check out. Cool. Uh, do you want me to keep going? Um, did you read DC's Hope at World End? Hope at World's End number six? Yes. Um, it's a pretty solid issue. Uh, we have Ari leaving Jotunheim. Ari is one of the uh, like the C list heroes that's hanging out at Jotunheim, and uh, basically they they want Ari to fly to Themyscira to save the people because Black Adam is coming for Jotunheim with uh with an army of zombies, and he's a zombie himself. And uh, at the at the last moment. You know, um, he well, there's a really cool scene where Black Adam is, you know, showing up at the at the mountain of Jotunheim, like the mountain base and gets blinked or teleported into the mountain by one of the heroes. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, will that hold him? I don't know. Well, it doesn't hold him. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he breaks out. Of, and just as he breaks out, um, uh, he's greeted by Wonder Woman. So there's going to be a pretty 
epic battle next issue between Wonder Woman and Zombie Black Adam. Yeah. Is uh so obviously this is gonna be the story of how Wonder Woman dies because we never got it in the original DCs. So right. it's kind of came back dead one day. Yeah, yeah. So um that'll be pretty interesting to see. I, I took a lot of notes here on uh, DC Cybernetic Summer number one. I was actually super pumped for this book. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you read it? I didn't. Okay, so I'm just going to run through all the stories, and I'm going to get to. I'll, I'm going to run through a description, but there's some that I liked more than others. There's actually a lot of content for this 80 pager, and I think everybody should check it out. It's so much fun. Um, so, there the first first story, uh, Karina Becco and Gabriel. Um, uh, I can't remember his last name, but it's a Batman story with, where he's fighting Brother I, and it's amazing because there's so many I puns of like I I know and I and you know it's all spelled out E Y E. So I I mm-hmm. love that shit. I I don't know. It's like <laughs> like he's trying to be like evil and menacing as a robot, but he's like it's just like he's just making I puns. Uh, and basically like he's fighting fighting him in space, and this is a really good st- small story. He gets a like a Batman mech suit and. There's some type of summer vacation involved with all these all these little short stories, and like Alfred is chilling on a beach uh, with his lady friend, and he's trying to like call for Alfred to, and he like took vacation. He's like trying to call Alfred for help, and Al- Alfred gets him out of the situation eventually. But it's just a really good story. Uh, Andrew Constant, Nicholas Scott write a Metal Men story, um, and this Metal Men story, I mean, actually, a lot of these stories are really good. The Metalman story, it shows Platinum. Uh, she's hanging out on the beach trying to catch some rays. Uh, and then fi- and the rest of the Metalmen come out of the ocean, like, shaped into a giant kaiju beast. Um, and it, you know, turned into a kaiju. Wonder Woman shows up to help fight uh, with with uh, Platinum. And they're, it's funny because they're like, wow, that reminds me of this anime that we both watched. So apparently Wonder Woman watches anime, but it, there's this, like, kaiju show within the dc universe come to find out it was toy man who created this frequency or something to mess with the metal men and make them morph into this kaiju because he watched that anime show too and wanted to like see if he can make it happen so it's there's like this fight on the beach with the kaiju it's really cool uh, it was really fun I, I i these stories are just so wacky and it's awesome the red tornado story shout out to stephanie phillips represent yeah nice Stephanie Phillips had a, I mean, we talked about this. She was part of this uh, great story with her and uh, um, Lila Del, Del Duca, is the name? Um, sorry, my mic is going crazy. But um, it's a very touching family story with uh, Red Tornado's wife and daughter, and they're they're trying to be out camping, and Red Tornado's like, keeps getting calls from the Justice League. I gotta go save someone. I gotta go save someone. Uh, his daughter stumbles upon this alien that's like hiding in a cave and the way it communicates is it has to like, you know, grab you and like communicate telepathically. So there's like a misunderstanding. He thinks she's being hurt. Um, They end up saving this alien to get the alien back home. It was trying to send a signal to its family out in space. And then, and then it's a really touching story. It resolves where he shuts off his communicator and they're just sitting there fishing and having a good time camping. Great story. I love that Stephanie Phillips, like, got to write these two characters remember the first story she did with uh ted grant yes and now she did red red tornado these are like characters that i i need i would love to have more of in the dc universe and i'm i'm so happy that she got to write these characters i thought it was awesome 
Well, I uh, love these anthology books. Are I mean, I know once in a while they bring in one of the big guns, but they're right. really meant for new up and coming writers to kind of get their chance. Yes, yeah, right. And it sounds because I didn't read either of her uh, these anthology books because I, I don't know, I'm just not a big fan of them. But it seems right. like both of them turned out really well for her. So I'm hoping that more people are seeing that because. Yeah, she is a great writer. I mean, she, it's not just that she's local and we right. love her for that. It's yep. that she is a good writer and her books are good. So hopefully this uh, leads to something bigger for her at DC. Um, this is a story that I absolutely did not like. Just kidding. It's a Blue Beetle and Booster Gold story um, with Heath Corden and Scott uh, Koblish. You, you would love this story. It's basically Booster Gold said, and Blue Beetle are heading to the beach as beach bros. They're going to go celebrate their day off. Well, the beach is packed. So what do they do? They use Booster Gold. They use Skeets to go back in time to when the last time they're at the beach when it wasn't packed. And the whole issue is a future version of themselves traveling back in time to the beach to the point that there's like uh, more and more Booster Gold and Blue Beetles showing up to where like <laughs> they get to the point where they're like super from the future, like Bill and Ted style, like the like the you know like the oracles of like oh far out man and they're wearing like crazy outfits um <laughs> so they're like they're playing volleyball with each other and stuff it's hilarious so then king shark shows up <laughs> <laughs> he just washes up on the beach with like treasure and they're like what are you doing here man so they they like beat the shit out of him and not only do they beat the shit out of him they every every one of the teams of booster gold and blue beetle pose for pictures of it with him like while he's like beat up and on the beach <laughs> Mm-hmm. And they send him a summer calendar of <laughs> King Shark is all pissed off at the end of the issue because they sent him a summer calendar of like all the different booster goals and blue beetles posing with him for each different month. And That's he's like fantastic. gonna take his revenge. Such a great story. And and to touch on the thing of like big names writers, so here's a here's a big I mean you got Josh Williamson and David LaFuente on the Flash story. And this Flash story is okay, but it's it's like a it's a flash race story against Mercury and it's all these flashes across the multiverse and it's too much. It's too much. What? It's a summer it's a summer anthology book. We don't need multiverse racing. I mean, yeah, if you're a flash fan, it's fun, but like the more fun to me is Red Tornado on a camping trip. You know what I mean? Like Yeah. You gotta It's keep it also small. just It's one of those like, yeah, of course that's what the the flash story is you know yeah right i know like why couldn't he be on the beach you know i don't know but um anyways uh there's a uh superboy and legion of superheroes with liz erickson and uh nick barilla it's uh so superboy has to go away so he activates it's a and it's a and it's funny because it says a golden age tale so it's really cool um robot he uh superboy turns on one of the robot superboys and he ends up going on it. The robot Superboy goes on a date with a one of the nerdier girls at the high school. Um, and it's really like kind of messed up because he comes back from his mission and the girl's like so smitten about uh, you know the real Superboy that he doesn't remember the date or anything like that. <laughs> it's like <laughs> uh, he was off world like fighting an alien and stuff like that. So it was a really good story. Um, the oh Steve Orlando and Paul Pel- Pelletier. Did an Apollo and Midnighter story. Um, really good. Uh, it was just, you know, them um, teaming up and, and you know, their relationship. And it's just really cool. Um, 
there's a, a Harley story with Che Grayson and Margaret Savage. Uh, the Harley story was a, it was okay. She takes she takes some old villain to the carnival with her, and it was it was okay. Um, the last two are really good. Robot Man by Max uh, Bemis, the uh, lead singer. Oh. Of, yep, of um, I can't think of him right now. Uh, Greg Smallwood, and it's awesome. It's Robot Man has a friend or a roommate that's a human, and he's Robot Man. So um, basically, he hangs out with his human friend and doesn't have any fun because he's a robot. And then Robot Man gets picked up by his robot friends, like Cyborg and everybody, and has a lot of fun. And his roommate tags along with him and doesn't have doesn't enjoy the robot thing. So then they they have this like understanding of each other by the end of the issue, and they're like, well, "What can we enjoy together?" So they go to the comic book shop. <laughs> That's and, fantastic. And Max Bemis kind of ends the book with a summer a summer without comics ain't a summer at all, is what he says. And I'm like, man, that what a great story. Like, you know, comics bringing people together. Man, Max Bemis can write a book, dude. Um, awesome. And then the final one was a cyborg story with Stuart Moore and Cully Hamner. Uh, super self-aware of the ridiculousness of the multiverse. Um <laughs> There's a guy named Super Cyborg, Cyborg Superman, shows up at the beach. So basically, basically, uh, Superman and Cyborg are fighting, are fighting Cyborg Superman on the beach, Hank Henshaw. And this round robot looking thing shows up and his name's, his name's Super Cyborg, Cyborg Superman. He's like, I'm from the multiverse planet 2.51-prime and all this ridiculous shit. And come to find out, it's, it, they were just there to distract that that whole plot of this weird super, uh, super cyborg showing up was there to distract Hank headshot and then beat the crap out of him because it was Batman in the suit the whole time. <laughs> um, and it's funny because if you abbreviate super cyborg, cyborg, Superman his his name is sucks. S U C C S. And it's like, it's such a great story. Um, and, and he carries like his own wiki page with him to like explain himself. And it, so it was Batman the whole time. It ends, the story ends with like um, these villains betting on earths. Like there's like, it's like uh, the monitor and everyone's sitting around a table and they're like, they're, they have earths in their hands and they're like playing poker. Like, like, like that's how they treat the multiverse. It's like so ridiculous. And the, the earth that they show is like an earth, ridiculous earth number. And then it's like cosine, blah, 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 like a math problem. And it's like, it's just a funny joke about like the multiverse and how ridiculous it is and how these people are just throwing around planets like, you know, crises and, and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Such a great anthology. I think I, everyone should read it. Um, Batman adventures continue. Paul Dini, number nine. Yep. What about straight man though? Huh? <laughs> that was a little weird. Uh, I don't know if that was like a making fun of like, straight white males but they there's a villain that works for the joker and his name is straight man and he's a he's like a johnny bravo character yeah i can't remember if that was a actual thing like later on because if you look at the the batman the animated series universe yeah they, there's a timeline there and i think the only one that doesn't fit in is uh during the 90s is uh the batman mm-hmm. but so like it goes through to new adventures of Batman Robin and justice league and all this other stuff. So I don't remember straight man and all that, but I looked him up. He, I don't think he exists anywhere. So I think they created him. I'm pretty sure they created him for this issue because I thought I would remember someone like that. 
either way, he's like, it's just weird. He's like carrying around a barbell and like you lifting it and stuff like that. Um, so Chris and I are right. It was Jason Todd who's been like following Batman around in the darkness. Um, so then we get the origin of the Red Hood and how Batman took him under his wing and uh, why they had a falling out. And that's pretty much how that issue wraps up. It's I think it's pretty good. We get the reveal of who it was. It, I mean, it's been a great series so far. Yeah, I like the twist they did on the Red Hood the, story. Yeah, the Red Hood story yeah. and kind of made it its own into the the, the Batman universe. So yep. mm-hmm. I really enjoyed this issue. And we're going to get kind of a idea of what happened to Jason, you know, in this universe as well and why he just kind of disappeared. So, yep. Uh, Batman Superman number 11, Josh, Joshua Williamson. Uh, great story. There's a whole falling out of of uh, Gotham with Batman Superman and why Atomic Man decided to blow up part of the city and take all these casualties. Um, so we see the repercussions of that from the last issue. But also, we get an awesome villain. Like this is These are the type of villains I want in my books. Ultra Humanite. When was the last, when was the last time you've seen Ultra Humanite? You know? Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's super, super souped up monkey that's super powerful and very smart. And he's the one behind making all these people into bombs. Um, he sets up a trap where they, he's been harvesting parts throughout Gotham. Like they have one scrapyard that everybody sends their parts to, apparently. And that's where he's been making these bombs and weapons. Uh, but he at the end of the issue, he captures batman and batman has like the atomic sequence like he's gonna blow up so i'm curious to see how that's gonna pan out for batman yeah you know? my favorite part of this whole issue was when like superman's getting kind of weirded out about breaking and entering yeah and batman just kind of looks at him like don't worry about it like i own the place he's and like of superman's course you do. response is like of course you do of course you do <laughs> he's like it's not like me to break and enter he's like well i own the place I think Joshua uh, Williamson has a really great back and forth between his yeah. Batman and Superman. I love yeah, it. Yeah, this is this is stuff you don't get in normal Batman books or Superman books, so it's really the, cool. The art reminded me, though, of, like, Invincible. Like, yeah, early Invincible. Did. Yeah, yeah, it really did. Yeah, you're right. It was weird, but I, I still really loved it. It was a great issue. Um, Legion of Superheroes, number seven. Uh yeah, this is a great issue. Um, I like what Bendis is doing with the superhero Legion of Superheroes. Uh, the Legion goes and they talk to the Madam President. Um, she's the head of the United Pl- uh, Planets, and they try to explain their role. Like they were, they were made as like a check and balance, or uh, they they want to be a group within within kind of like outside of authority and want to be able to make decisions on their own. Uh, the discussion doesn't go so well. Super Superboy has to kind of chime in and help out. Um, and what they realize they need they need an absolute leader like you know Brainiac Five has been their leader just because he can like calculate decisions within within his brain multiple decisions, uh, but they vote for a new character or not character but uh, leader, and in between this voting there's a little interaction and I I almost like brush it off but uh, Superboy sitting next to a character named Mon M O N as in Monel, mm-hmm. and it looks just like him. And it's young like him. And he says, Mon, he's like, he goes, who's that guy? And they go, he goes, don't worry about it or something like that. And they never, they never really explain it again. So I'm wondering who that character is. Oh, see, I just assumed it was mon Oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah, it, it was just like, oh, yeah. But the interaction of like, who are you and why is your name? Like, there's got to be more there, right? Because Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. 
those two characters haven't been introduced in the story, so right. I'm pretty sure it is going to be Monel, but maybe that was just kind of a hint of like this story will come later. Okay, like, yeah, maybe that's how these it, two yeah. are going to interact. Yeah, yeah, that was just cool. Um, they choose a new leader. Uh, after doing so, um, the father of the new leader shows up with with uh, members of the United Planets to arrest the um, the Legion of Superheroes. And then it teases at the end of the issue that we're, the next book is going to have 41 artists on it, which so I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen there. I've been seeing these teases for it. It's going to yeah. be a two-issue story arc with 41 artists. Wow. Across two books. So, wow. yeah, it's uh, it'll be interesting. I'll, I'll say that. I'm wondering if it's like a roll call of all the, all the Legion. Yeah. It, it's, I don't know. I'm kind of confused on why this... I mean, I understand some of it. Like, Sook is known for being... Uh, late on his art mm-hmm. so i knew at some point we were going to get some sort of fill in but this is kind of weird for <laughs> yeah right this is yeah well let's try out 41 artists uh, maybe maybe there's maybe this is a way for them to try it out and if he needs a replacement while he's gone you know i don't see which one sticks i don't know i, I mean but it's I, hard to replace his art man his art is so good for this book yeah so um, it's interesting. Yeah, we'll see how those two issues work out, but I, I like this issue, and I'm yeah. really loving Legion of Superheroes. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of political discussions, for sure. It's really heavy um, heavy talks going on, but there's there's a lot of fun stuff in there, too. Yeah. Uh, Su- Suicide Squad number seven, Tom Taylor killing it, as usual. Um, we know that Ted Cord is the big bad, the head of the... Well, it, I guess it depends on your viewpoint, but Ted Cord was the one responsible for the Suicide Squad, he wants to go public. He thinks that the revolutionaries who became that new Suicide Squad are have gone rogue, so he wants to go public with it. <clears throat> so Deadshot, if we remember the last issue, he's like, I'm done. I finished my contract. There's proof that I'm free. I'm a free man. So he goes back home to see his daughter and his wife or girlfriend. He gets home, um, and the FBI shows up at his door and says, you're not free to go. We're here to capture you. His name's plastered all over the news with the revolutionaries accompanying them. Like these people are wanted and for capture. So he's out in the lawn. He just, he just said like committed to saying like, I'm not going to kill anybody anymore. I'm going to only do good by my daughter. Well, his daughter was so proud of him that she created her own costume called live shot. And she uses a bow and arrow because she doesn't want people to die. instead of a dead shot. It was like a really cool moment, but like they're going to arrest him and she like starts shooting at like she holds out a, a arrow and, and they're like going to shoot her. So he he's forced to like grab their gun and start shooting all the FBI agents. But he makes a point not to kill any of them because he's trying to like, OK, don't kill anyone anymore. I made a promise to my daughter. Really good issue. And then the revolutionaries show up because because they went public, they know oh now Deadshot's in some deep shit. So uh, next issue, they're going to take the fight to Ted Cord because they realize they can't be on the run anymore. He's gone public. Everybody's going to be coming after them. Really good issue. This Suicide Squad story is so good. It's like my favorite book right now. It's man, it's so good. But that's all I had this week. Uh, I know it's quite a few books, but um, especially because I had taking notes for an anthology book is is a uh, it's a doozy. I tell you. Um, but I have Sidekick one and two here um, from the Kickstarter, so I will be reading these for next week. But yes, me as well. Yep. Uh, so first, I've got Rogue Planet number three. Oh, nice. Um, 
so in this we get this weird interaction with this alien race and they grab these the two humans and they like basically drug them oh and like they they go into this trance where they think like everything's going to be okay everything's going to be fine and then they slit their throats oh okay so it's obvious this alien race has been worshipping this weird creature that's attacking them throughout the book mm-hmm. and that's kind of the majority of the story there i mean there is an interaction between the uh the other group that went out and interacted with that weird alien thing and them talking and trying to get home and figuring out what they have to do next and kind of bickering inside themselves but awesome issue rogue planet's really great yeah i got i actually missed that one this week um darth vader number three uh so it's been a while since darth vader came out so i'd remind myself but we have like this we have this woman that's traveling with Vader that used to be one of Padme's uh, uh, body doubles. And she's trying to figure out who killed Padme. Mm. And so they go back to the planet. <laughs> this issue is tough because they go back to the planet from uh, episode two. I'm zoning on the name of the planet, but where uh, Anakin has the infamous um, line. Sand. sand i hate it because it gets everywhere it's not naboo is it um possibly yes it's not yeah naboo. yep and uh they go there and they go to that they go to that little castle thing that they were in having that date and oh yeah look around they meet up with two people from naboo's uh, royal forces and they go find this security footage that is supposed to be the missing link to what happened to uh uh princess mm-hmm. they get down there and uh, Vader plays it and he realizes that he's been set up that they think that he killed her mm. that he's the reason she's dead and I mean he, they're kind of right um, and it ends there where they, they have, they're basically going to suicide themselves with this weird creature coming at them mm-hmm. and that's how they're going to kill Vader is by killing all of them at once Makes and sense. it ends at that point but it's been a really like fun Vader story and we can see where it goes from there. Cool. Um, and then we got three Empire books. So Empire number three, it's basically showing where everybody is in the on Earth right now, what they're doing, how they're fighting the Katadi, and how the Scroll and Kree are kind of coming into it. And then there's also a, uh, the B story is the Hulkling up on his ship trying to figure out how to be not only a hero, but a leader to these two warring races. Mm-hmm. And we end up finding out that people inside his close circle aren't who they appear to be. Surprise, surprise. Oh. Um, uh, Empire's good. I like it because it's a Marvel event and it has to do with Korean scrolls, and it's been interesting enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're not into that, I don't think you'll like it. Um, I'll save this one for last. X-Men number 10, which is an Empire tie-in. This is all about one of the, the X-Men up on the moon. They go to where the Katadi are on the moon, and they end up basically destroying them all. And they tell them, like, you can do whatever you want with Earth, but stay away from Krakoa. Mm-hmm. Well, they end up accidentally leaving one of the uh, Katadi alive. And when they find his... When the other Katadi find his body... He dies immediately, but he mutters the same phrase over and over again, Krakoa, 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 Krakoa. 
And so the Katadi are like, we need to go to this Katoa and mm-hmm. figure out what's going on. So I think I think it's a I think it's a place of interest. Yes. <laughs> and then the book that made me the most happy this week. Empire, Captain America number one. Nice. Uh, first of all, Philip Kennedy Johnson is creeping up to be a writer of note in my life. Like the dude has written some good books. He's doing the Marvel Zombies right now. He's doing Last God. Uh, and now he's doing this uh, quick three-issue series. But this is Captain America, how I like him. Like, he gets to Earth. He goes to Washington. He tries to let uh, the Army know, like, hey, this alien race is coming, and we need to do something about it. Not only do we need to do something about it, we need to help everybody else. Because they don't want to just attack the United States. They want to wipe out the entire Earth. So he gets there. He gets some you know, blowback from it. But... The big, the main story here is he ends up meeting this squad of uh, patrolmen who help him along. So it's kind of a Captain America and the Howling Commando story, mm-hmm. where it's him and four other guys who are just everyday soldiers trying to do what's right, and they come up against one of these Kotadis that's like super powerful. It's one of the leaders. I thought it was a really great story that emphasized what I love about Captain America in a realm that I like with him. And I was just really happy because it's like the first time in a while I've been excited about a Captain America book. And it's just a tie-in to a big event book. That's the weird part. Awesome. But my last thing was uh, I read Pulp by Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. Nice. This is the team that brought you Criminal, uh, Killer Be Killed, so on and so forth. This is a story about a dude who used to be a gunslinger, a cowboy who... Uh, stole from stagecoaches, killed people, so on and so forth. He ends up uh, growing up and in the 30s, late 30s, early 40s. He finds himself to be a writer for these pulp magazines, writing stories about these cowboys who mm-hmm. do these things, yeah. basically rewriting his own stories, and gets like roped into one big last uh, heist that's mm-hmm. meant... So an old friend of his, who was actually a guy who was trying to hunt him down back in the day comes to him and says, we needed to go on one last heist and take out this cell of Nazis inside of New York City. Ended up not going the way they planned, but in the end, uh, he gets revenge for against the Nazis. It's a really great story that has great heart in it, great characters. Um, it's a one-shot story. It's like 80 pages. If you like Brubaker Phillips, check it out. It's fantastic. Um, I don't really know what else to say about it other than if you're not already on the Brubaker Phillips train, I don't know what's going to get you on it. <laughs> you're not um, and I had one more. Oh. One more. The Boys, Dear Becky, number three. Oh, nice. Um, so we get more of Huey and his fiance doing their thing, kind of setting the stage of what the world is post The Boys. And it's basically superheroes are outlawed. Like they're not allowed anymore. People of powers are kind of shunned. And then there's that story in the background that's Butcher back in the day. And it's, I don't really know where it's going and how it's connecting to his wife because it's about this group of what looks like as guardians. And if anyone knows the boys universe, they're not really as guardians, but, right. um, and he's trying to, 
get them to spill information about other superheroes mm-hmm. and it goes wrong and in the end it ends with him being confronted by them but i'm really confused on what this story is and where it's going <laughs> oh, okay um interesting because i i was i had i had high hopes for it but yeah I, i'm gonna play it out uh i think it's only six issues so there's only three more to go Mm-hmm. But I am super confused what's because really what it is at this point is just the ramblings of somebody who had a couple of ideas or thoughts he wanted to get out and just figured why not do it with you know the series that's already proven. Yeah. So sense. yeah, I'm kind of confused about it. But that's everything I had. Mike, where can people find you on that internet? They can find me at Fortress Ricker on Twitter. Where can they find you and or the show? You can find me at Fortress Chris on pretty much any social media platform. Um, and you can find me at chrisrunt.com. Or you can find the show at fortresscomicnews.com. That's where everything we do is right there on the Handy Nitty website. Um, remember, everybody, you're listening to us. Five stars on whatever podcast you use. Uh, if you are watching us, do comment down below, like the video, subscribe to the channel so you can keep seeing us. And if you want more extra goodies including my other podcast the bat friends podcast three days early go over to patreon.com slash fortress of comic news thank you all so much for listening and we will see you next week goodbye